You're listening to the Passion Church Podcast. Our mission is to help people win by living a genuine Jesus-filled life. If you are ever in Cameron, Missouri, then come and join us and be a part of the Passion Church family. You can visit our website, passionchurchmo.com, to find out more about us. He's teaching and he's been out teaching the multitude, and the multitude sees that he and the disciples are leaving, so they run ahead of them and catch up with them at the next place that they're going to go. So the crowd has been with him quite a while. And uh, have you ever wanted the word so bad that you would forego important things to just get the word in you? Think about that. In America, things are pretty easy, pretty comfortable. We can walk to, most of us can walk to our cabinet most any time and find something to eat, uh, find a blanket if we need it, sit back in our chair, chill. But these people had to follow Jesus to get the word. These people had to leave the comfort of home to get the word. They had to leave the comforts of life to get the word. Now, we, we congregate here, but it's a little more comfortable than where they congregated. They were congregating out in the wilderness, out into desert places. And <clears throat> it's on that kind of an occasion that Jesus is with the people. He's been working miracles. He's been teaching them. He's been sharing the word with them. We'll pick up in verse 34. And Jesus, when he came out after he'd been off serving, saw much people and was moved with compassion toward them. Moved with compassion. I love that about Jesus, that he was moved with the same heart of Father God. When Father looks upon the people of the world, he sees us with a heart of compassion. And Jesus went out, and he came out, and he saw much people and was moved with compassion toward them. Aren't you glad that God's compassion is towards you? Think about that. Anytime you get to doubting God's love, think about the fact that Jesus brought us the face of the Father. He says, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. In other words, we are one. If you see my heart, you see my actions, this is how the Father feels towards you. And so your Father feels towards you with a heart of compassion. Let's pick up there. Because they were as sheep, not having a shepherd. He began to teach them many things. Most of these people would make their trip to the temple each year to have the sacrifices made, but much of the teachings of the day left them devoid. They didn't have anyone who was organizing small study groups. They didn't have anyone who was on their behalf sitting down, breaking bread with them daily. In fact, they were withheld from the places where the um, <clears throat> ruling class of, of priests would eat. They didn't eat with common people. They wouldn't sit with common people. They didn't minister to common people. They only ministered basically to their own little cliques and clubs when they came to the temple. <clears throat> Everyone with me so far? So Jesus began to teach them because he had compassion on them. These people don't have anyone to lead them. 
They're trying to make a go for God without anyone teaching them what steps to make, how to love, how to pray, how to seek his face. All they know is blood sacrifice once a year, cover my sins until next year. In that day, the average man did not have the word. They got their word from the priest. And what they could remember from the word as they were taught by their parents who learned it from the priests. Am I painting a clear enough picture? And so Jesus is looking upon them with the heart of the Father going, I need to teach them. I need to show them. They need to understand the heart of Father God. They need to know that God is for them, not against them. They, and these people, listen to his heart. They have followed him, and he didn't even realize many of them had followed him until he came out from his time of prayer. He came out from his time of fasting. He came out from his time of study. He came out from his time with the disciples, and all of a sudden, here's this crowd. He recognizes, I'm sure, some of the faces that he's seen in the last place where he was teaching. But they're so hungry for the word because they're living in a, a place of famine from the true word of God that everything Jesus speaks is speaking life and vitality and strength to their spiritual inner man. And they want him. They, they're leaning in. They're, they're saying, teach me more. They, they can't get enough. Have you ever been in that place? You just can't get enough of the word. You can't get enough of Jesus. I've gone through seasons of drought and seasons of feasting. I like seasons of feasting much better than those moments when usually by my own actions, I've gotten into a famine. I don't have the excuse that the first century believers have in that they didn't own a Bible. I'm getting into territory I didn't even intend to get into. I have no excuse because I have Bibles. So if I'm not getting fed, it's because I'm not pouring in. I'm not leaning in. Now these people had to lean into the word. In the beginning was the and the word was with God and the word because Jesus is the word. So they're leaning into the word. You and I can lean into the word because we have it here. We have it in front of us. We don't need Jesus to come down from heaven and to teach us. He's already done it. He's already left it behind. He's already made sure that the right people were inspired and that the weeding process happened from those things that we can substantiate are truly from God and those that we cannot. And what we hold are the things that we can substantiate. These are true, tried and true, proven. This is the canonization of the word. And so he sees these people like sheep. They're wandering around. Have you ever, have you ever seen sheep in a field? They just kind of wander around, and, and if you stand outside, you'll hear them bleating and, and calling out because they want to be led. They want to go from one place to the next. Now, I won't stand here and pretend like I know a lot about sheep. I don't. I'll get myself in trouble. But those of you who deal with sheep, you, you, you get the picture. <clears throat> 
And when Jesus came out and he saw them, he was moved with compassion toward them because they were, they were as sheep, not having a shepherd. And he began to teach them many things. And when the day was now far spent, he spent the day teaching them. And when the day was far spent, his disciples came unto him and said, This is a desert place. <laughs> Aren't you glad the word comes to you in desert places? <laughs> there have been times that I've been in the middle of a desert, and that's when I need the word the most. In that dry place, in that barren place, where there's not, you know, if sheep are, if sheep are going to be led uh, in a wilderness, they need someone to lead them to where the vegetation is. Because it's not plentiful in the desert place. And when the day was now far spent, his disciples came unto him and said, This is a desert place, and now the time is far past. In other words, we're running out of time, Lord. The sun's about to go down. So here's what the disciples suggested. Send them away, that they may go into the country round about and into the villages and buy themselves bread, for they have nothing to eat. That's a nice, tidy little way to handle that. Let's just dismiss church. I'll send you all home. You can go home and have beanie weenies at your place. Or whatever you have. Ham sandwich, whatever you have. <clears throat> I like that. It's nice and tidy, and it doesn't require much. But uh, does anybody know how the Lord is? He uses every opportunity to teach you something in every circumstance. And right in the middle of your wilderness, he's going to probably try to teach you something. And it's no different here. And he answered and said unto them, well, you got a tidy little answer there, boys, but give ye them to eat. If I was reading out of the, the uh, modern English, it would say, feed them. You feed them. Go get them something to eat. Feed them. And they said unto him, Shall we go and buy 200 penny worth of bread and give them to eat? Uh, 200 penny worth of bread is about $40 in today's money. But $40 probably went a whole lot further in the first century than it does now because we're talking about a multitude of people here. So they're saying in our coffers we could go out and we could spend $40. That looks like about all we have in the fund, Jesus. So we could go out and we could buy bread for them. Is that your plan? Is that your plan, Jesus? Verse 38, and he said unto them, how many loaves have you? Go and see. And when they knew, they said five and two fishes. And he commanded them to make all sit down in companies upon green grass. And they sat down in ranks by hundreds and fifties. And when he had taken the five loaves and the two fishes, and you can say fishes in King James, it's proper in King James. It's fish in regular English. Two fishes, and he looked up to heaven and blessed and break the loaves and gave them to his disciples to set before them. And the two fishes divided he among them all. And they did all eat and were filled, and they took up 12 baskets full of fragments of the fishes. I love verse 37. You feed them. There's nothing like the Lord putting on you a demand in a time of need. They didn't have it. They didn't have it themselves. 
And they probably didn't have near enough money to feed the multitude of people that was before them, yet God put a demand on them. And God will put a demand on you every time in the middle of your wilderness. That's going to make me get off this chair. I got to be careful. I'm trying to just teach and get out of here. <laughs> you feed them. <laughs> every time in the middle of your wilderness, that's when the school of Christianity starts. It's in the middle of a difficult season that we become the most alert students. These people had followed Jesus because they were leaning into the word. They'd never heard the word. They'd never heard it this way. They'd never heard a man's, if you've ever read that scripture, never a man spake like this man. There was something in his words that spoke life. There was something about his words that spoke authority. It wasn't like the way that the the, uh, the um, priest and the Sadducees taught or the Pharisees taught. There was something in the way this man spoke that let you know there's life in his words. And his words change me. Aren't you glad this word can still change us? Because this word is living, alive, and active according to Hebrews, the fourth chapter, the twelfth verse. It says it's a living word. It's alive. It can, it can discern between what you're thinking and what you're feeling. It is so discerning, it knows whether you're playing a spiritual game or you're for real. Yeah. Oh, I don't want, I got to be careful. I can get in lots of trouble here. That's not my intention. I love what he said. He says, you feed them. Their first thought after that, their original thought was send them away. They're a bother. Oh, come on now. Sometimes people in our life, it's easier to just send them away, yeah. right? And Jesus says, no, we're not going to just send them away. Let's feed them. And tag, you're it. There's 12 of you. Figure this out. Figure this out. All right. So their second thought was, well, what's in the coffers? What do we have? Judas, bring what you have and put in your pocket over here so we can see what's in the purse. If you understand who Judas was, you got that joke. He's skimming a little off the top. Yeah, it happens in the, in, in the church. It can happen in the church, believe it or not. If Jesus can have a thief in the midst, come on. <laughs> so they, they look, there's enough money for $40 worth of bread. I seriously doubt that's going to feed what scholars say is 20,000 people. Mm. So, <clears throat> here they are. You feed them. He's give them a problem, and he expects them to solve it. And so, their question back to him is, do you, do you want us to go to town? Because how many understand it'll take time to get to town, get the bread bought, bring it back. The day's going to be gone. It's going to be wasted. Is that what you want us to do? So Jesus gives them a prompting. Why don't you look and see what you have in, in, as a way of provision? What do you have? Now, oftentimes in the middle of my wilderness is where the Lord asks of me. It's when I have seemingly nothing that God asks of me. How many have ever been there? 
And how many it hurts when you put your hand up because you're probably in that season right now. And sometimes it ain't easy to give when you're already feeling the pinch. Oh, come on. Can we just tell the truth? Sometimes when I'm feeling the pinch, that's the hardest time for me to reach into my pocket, get out my billfold, and just be generous, even to Jesus. I don't reach into my alms pocket when things are tight. Come on, let's just be honest. When I'm walking in abundance and I hear the voice of the Lord, wow, that's the easiest $20 to pull out of my pocket and hand to somebody. But when I'm struggling, and I don't have that much provision, that's when it gets difficult. And some of us look like an old Three Stooges movie clip. When we pull our money out, we've got it in a mouse trap, so that when you spring it back, that'll learn you, darn you. So the Lord's putting them to the test. He says, well, "Go see what you have." Well, when they come back, what are the you know you know the story? I won't go into all great detail. They come back with a boy's lunch. Now, some have said. And I won't go into a big, long thing about this, but some scholars said, well, you've got to understand that these were large ocean fish. And massive loaves of bread. The scary thing is, how did a little boy carry two large ocean fish and five giant loaves of bread? Oh, my, my, my answer to those scholars is, oh, ye of little faith. Can you imagine that little boy dragging ocean fish into a desert region? Two of them and the bread. So I think that's a little bit absurd, wouldn't you? In fact, some scholars have said this was more like sardines and crackers. Now, I can't say. I don't know. I wasn't there, and I don't know the word well enough as a scholar to be able to try to divide that, draw that dividing line. But I do know that it's absurd, the fact that it could have been two large ocean fish. Anyway, let's get on with the story. So <clears throat> every time that God puts you into a position like this, in this case, they're not having to provide for themselves. God has put the demand on them to provide for someone else, someone else in need. And oftentimes, you'll encounter people in need in the middle of your wilderness. When you really can't afford to give another dime, but then because you have a giving heart and you listen to the voice of the Lord, sometimes you'll reach into your pocket and you'll do what seems seemingly impossible. But God, yes. And oftentimes when I give that money away, I do it with a smile. Then I go in my prayer closet and cry for 10 minutes. And the Lord uses those opportunities to teach us. He told them, check your provision. Because like the little woman who had a couple of scoops of meal left in her barrel... We serve a God who can take nothing and make it into something. Or like the little woman 
at, uh, under Elisha, who had the cruise of oil, was able to pay off all of her debtors, free her, her sons from the chance of going to a, a debtor's prison, not only pay off all the debts, but have enough to live on for a while. Because we serve a God of too much. He'll take too little and make it too much. Doesn't that make you excited for God? That makes me excited because never is he ever looked up, is he ever looking upon me in my circumstances without a heart of compassion. And he saw these people with a heart of compassion, and he was there to do something about it. He just wanted to see, where's your faith at, boys? He could have done this without the disciples. He didn't need them in the middle of this miracle. And he didn't just perform this miracle and leave them out of it. He made them go after the provision. And when they found the provision and they came back, he blessed it. He broke it and then set it in front of them and said, now you go do what you've seen me do. Yes. <laughs> now, you, you probably thought he just brought, he, he broke it up, 20,000 plates, right? No, he broke it and he gave them a portion and said, now you go do this. Yes. Go do it. And every time they'd break it. Boom. Every time they break bread, boom. Every time they break fish, boom. Every time they break bed, bread, boom. 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 And you know the disciples had to be utterly amazed every time they'd hand it away, there'd be more. Every time they handed it away, there was more. Every time they handed it away, there was more. There was more. There was more. There was more. There was something about this miracle that was astounding. <laughs> but may I suggest to you that if the next thing that's written in the word had not been put there for us to get a hold of and to grasp, this miracle would have not been nearly as effective as it was. Am I preaching? I am, ain't I? Forgive me. Look at this. How many loaves have you? Go and see. And when they knew, they said five and two. And he commanded them to make all who? All sit down by companies upon the green grass. Now that green grass there actually in one of the translations says that they were setting in fields or in, in uh, plantations of herbs. I don't understand that, especially in a desert region. A little, in other words, the Lord's not going to feed you unless he spices it a little. Oh, come on. If he's going to give you a miracle, he's going to spice it up just a little bit. Look at this. Now, here's the part I want you to get. And he commanded them to all sit down by companies upon the green grass. And they sat down in ranks by hundreds and by fifties. And when he had taken the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven and blessed and break the loaves and gave it to them and his disciples to set before them, and the two fishes divided he among them all. And they did all eat and were filled. I'm going to finish. 
Now let me let me let me get this. Let me let me get this to you, and we'll be done. First of all, when God wants to work a miracle in your life, He wants you to prepare for the miracle. That's why you're in the desert place. Get prepared. If you're in a desert place right now, get prepared. God's got a miracle for you. Oh, my gosh. I could run through this house on that. If you are going through something right now, God's got a miracle for you. That's why you're in a wilderness. Some wildernesses last a little longer than others. And some last longer because we don't get the picture. I can't go there. I ain't got time to go there. Leave me alone. Stop it with that. I got to get this to you, and I'm going to get it to you. I promise. God wants us to prepare for our miracle. If you understood that I had nothing to preach to you before I came here tonight, you would know how much of a miracle this is, what's coming out of my mouth. Pastor Colleen will go amen when, she, when this is all done. I promise. In the middle of your wilderness is where you prepare for your miracle. This is where you start looking for what you have in your possession to surrender to the Lord. In the middle of your wilderness is where God's having great compassion on you because he understands you need his word. He understands in the middle of a wilderness that it is the word that sets you free. And it's the word that is the most, the greatest commodity of all. Because it is the word that you understand. Let me get this to you. I'm breaking something down. It is the word that you understand and you believe and you act upon that changes the circumstance. The environment. The word never returns null or void. It always accomplishes what it was sent out to do. In this case, Jesus gave the command, get prepared for a miracle. There's not time to run to town. I'm not shooing these people away. We're going to give them God's miracle. I'm using you to do it. We're here in the middle of the wilderness. You go out and find the provision. It wasn't much of a provision, but God never said you had to have much because little is much in the hands of God. Are you still with me? We're almost there. He says, I want you to get prepared for your miracle. Position yourself to receive. I'm, I'm, in, I'm preaching to me tonight because I'm needing to hear this. I'm up against some battles. I'm up against some things. And my spirit needs this word. That's why the Holy Spirit's preaching it. My spirit needs to hear, get yourself prepared in the middle of your wilderness for your next miracle. Don't just stand around wondering where is it coming from. Get prepared. Start looking for that provision. Don't just stand around waiting for God to rain manna out of heaven, although he can. Go after it. Go after it. Start looking. What is it? What is it I have that I can release from my hand, Father, for you to work a mighty miracle from? 
Can I sell something? Can I, can I give away something? Can I sow something, Father? That will make the difference. <laughs> Here's the next thing you need to see. He sends us out in the middle of it all. And he says, now, put order to it. Put order to it. You intend to receive? Put order to it. Now, let me explain why he had to put order to this miracle. I mean, no, we've been talking about putting order in the house. An unorderly house is not a house filled with miracles. An orderly house can have miracles. Are you ready? If the disciples hadn't gone out, they'd have never found the provision. And it sure didn't look like much of one, but they brought it back. And with Jesus, little is just enough. With Jesus, what little you can find is enough. And they didn't need, they didn't need enough bread to feed 20,000 people. They needed just enough to start the miracle. He tells them, put order to it. Set them down in ranks. Make them sit in hundreds and fifties. He didn't go any further than that. I don't know if it was just hundreds and fifties. It could have been tens and twenties. I don't know. But I do know this. Think about this. Let this be a revelation. If Jesus hadn't put the order to this miracle, and all they did was break bread and break fish and lay it before the people, it would have been one pandemonious mess. And someone would have been left out of the miracle and someone would not have received. There would have been those who, because people get greedy, who wouldn't have ate at all. But when you put God's order to it, it said they all ate and then they gathered up 12 baskets of remnants. There'd have been nothing left had the order not been put to the miracle. And this is why God wants us to put order in the house. Because there are miracles on our horizon. Woo! There are miracles on our horizon, and there are people even right now in a wilderness. But God needs us, like the disciples, to be able to go out to these individuals when they come in and help them find their provision so that in the middle of their wilderness, you can help them understand the order of God that they can receive what it is they need to receive because God is always moved with a heart of compassion, especially when we're like sheep gone astray. Mm. 
I'll have to quit with that, but you get the idea. (laughs) And here's the final thoughts. Order dispels chaos. Order dispels chaos. And the disciples didn't just break in the miracle, they served in the miracle. And if God's going to put order in our house, it's so that we can serve others in their miracle. We're going to help them find their provision, and we're going to help them get the order in in God, and then we're going to stay with them serving until we see their miracle come to pass. And if God does it for them, he's no respecter of persons. He's going to do it for. In fact, I dare to tell you God's going to do it for us first. Because we have to walk through this wilderness for us to understand it for them. Thanks for listening to this podcast. We would love to connect with you on Facebook or Instagram at Passion Church Mo. Until next time, God bless.